Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off. But hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in-store clearance and baby. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't be a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. Look, it was given. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Happy Wednesday to you. Tonight, I was actually going to speak with uh, Bobby Hamilton. Uh, He's the co-founder of the GCBRO, and he had a fascinating encounter when he was a child. Unfortunately, uh, Bobby hasn't been feeling good most of the week, and so we're going to try and get him on the show another time. Tonight, I want to welcome Bill, and Bill's actually from Oklahoma. Bill's been in law enforcement all of his life, uh, served in the military prior to that, and has a lot of interesting encounter stories that he has personally been involved with. So I want to go ahead and welcome Bill to the show. Bill, you're aware of of uh, Bobby's story. Oh my God, yeah. Well, that thing's sitting there beckoning to him. It's like, holy crap! I just sent chills, chills yeah. down your spine thinking about that. Yeah, it's one of those interesting stories. You know, I was trying to get him on because I really wanted him to tell the story on the air, and I was talking with uh, Tim Sermons about this. Bobby's story is just. It reminds me, I don't know, have you ever heard of the Cowman story? No, I don't think so. Well, the Cowman story is very identical to Bobby's story. 
And what happened in the cowman story was a little kid who called these things a cowman. He said they it stunk like a cow, and I guess some of the coloring it had was like a cow, so the little boy used to call it the cowman. What happened is the the thing would come up to the little boy's window at night and kind of do the same type of thing that Bobby's describing. It would use its finger to kind of direct him to the window. He, he'd go to the window. The creature would make faces, and the little boy would make faces back at the creature. You know, you don't know if there's something sinister going on there. You don't know if there's something. They're after kids. I firmly believe they're after kids. I used to work with a guy, full-blood Cherokee fella, that uh, lived near Stillwell, Oklahoma, and and he knew I was in the Bigfoot, but but it took him a while before he realized how serious I was about it, and uh, then he opened up to me about something happened to him that just, boy, it just uh, shocked to hear. When he was a little kid, he remember playing out in his yard, and they lived out in the country, because he saw this, uh, this this bear man come out of the woods and he said, I wasn't afraid of it. I was looking at it and looking at me. And he said, the thing picked me up and it just started walking towards the woods with me. He said, oh, the whole time I wasn't afraid. I wasn't feeling fear. And then he heard his mother screaming and he kind of tried to look around and he sees her come up across their yard with a broom. And he says, at that moment, he just panicked realized something wasn't right. He says that thing dropped him and took off running into the woods. And she scooped him up and uh, ran to the house. And he said it wasn't too long after that that moved out of there. But uh, it's like, my God, what was that thing going to do with him? But, yeah, uh, it was probably going to eat him. <laughs> I hate to I say that. I don't doubt it was dead bit. Yeah, I don't I really doubt it don't. either. But, you know, even in like Bobby Hamilton's story, you know, he's the uh, co-founder of the GCBRO. And what he describes in his encounter was it motioning for him to come to the window, which is very human-like behavior, very human-like behavior. And it's just terrifying to, uh, yeah, you hear all of these, these stories about, uh, kids that go missing, you know, they're out hiking or, and then you, Mm -hmm. you wonder what happens to them. Well, kind of reminds you of, uh, what's that story David Pilates was talking about? Where, oh, missing four one one. Yeah, missing four one one. And one of the witnesses, uh, the Dennis Martin case. One of the witnesses said that a bear running on two legs had what looked like a boy over his shoulder, running through the woods. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I hate to hear that stuff just, like that. You know, it, it, as a parent, that just strikes me to the core. It just, you know, people need to know that. You, Going out in the woods and enjoying nature is great, but you've got to be prepared. You've got to know what the hell's out there because these things are out, and I definitely believe they hunt children. At our place in eastern Oklahoma, you know, we've, we've, I've been going down there, and we've had a place since the, the early early 70s. And, oh, several years ago, uh, we had, I think it's an act of aggression where there was two of them trying to push my two kids down a road, trying to force them down a road away from the cabin. And I, I know they, they sure as hell wasn't planning on playing with them. But uh, what happened was there was uh, where our place is, we have uh, a cabin. It's up on top of this uh, acreage that we've got. It's about, oh, probably 700 foot elevation. But you go up this, this road to get to it. Off to the right, it drops off down into a canyon that just basically runs straight north towards I-40. Well, the kids 
uh, went out there and they started walking down the road looking for arrowheads and, uh, and, uh, there's a tree, they call it the rock hollow tree, but they'd go up there and it's right on the edge of the canyon by the, by the road and they would throw rocks off in there and hear, you know, bump and echo going down into that hollow tree. They was doing that and, uh, they heard a lot of movement down at the bottom of the canyon. So my daughter's thinking, oh, that's deer. So she gets her phone out. She's going to get video of these deer. And my other, my son uh, picks a rock up and he chunks it way off down in there. And holy smokes, all hell broke loose. Said rocks started coming back at them. And they're thinking, this is not deer. This is something else. Then they started hearing this thing screaming. And they're thinking, we got to get back to the cabin. Well, they're halfway down that road. Well, they start to get back up the can, the road to the cabin and off to their, well, they're facing north. Off to their right is a, a, is a ridge, uh, uh, off to their right. And, uh, rocks started coming from there and then they started hearing screams. And the more they was going towards the cabin, you, they could tell these two animals, whatever the heck it was screaming was going towards the road, trying to, kind of like an impeachment movement to keep them from uh, getting up to the cabin. So they started going down the road. And then Joe, my son realized that this, we got to get help. So daughter's on the phone, calling for help. And we, <laughs> we go flying down there and, uh, I'm honking on the truck horn. And when I come around this bend, I see him standing there and the, the daughter is just in a blind panic. He's got her. And he, he carries a rifle with him when he goes out in the woods, AK-74. And he's 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 got the canyon covered, and they are just scared to death. And I firmly believe those things are trying to fork on that road where they could ambush them. That's the only act of I can say the only act of aggression we had on that place. You got to be prepared. And uh, the funny thing of it is, if you want to get the video, well, when all this started breaking loose. She was able to record just a tiny bit of it, and you can, on the, what she got, you can barely hear the scream winding down, and then you hear my horn on the truck honking in the distance, and, uh, <laughs> it was like they were ready to get in the back of that truck and get the heck out of there. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't blame them. I wanted to ask you, uh, I want to talk about the chicken man first, and then I want to talk oh, yeah. about, uh, some of your, experiences and some of your encounters and i pre really do appreciate you coming on the show bill because you know it's so hard to get people from your area like you and i talked about yesterday it's so hard to get people from the midwest and the south uh to come out and talk about this because i think that's really the gold mine as far as I, i'm starting to learn that's that's where the gold mine is as far as encounter stories and but it's in the same breath it's so hard to get people from that area to come out and say, okay, here's what's, here's what I, what we're seeing. Here's what I've experienced. Here's what, especially someone in law enforcement. So I really do appreciate you coming on the show. Well, it's just, uh, people just don't like to get ridiculed. You know, I, I went through that with my, my El Reno chicken man deal. And I told my, my family members about it. And I just, you know, I said, well, hell with it then. I just quit talking about it to them and, Kind of kept it to myself, and uh, and I saw your on your your uh, your website there that uh, you had posted a article about that, and I, that's what inspired me to give you a call because yeah, we uh, a buddy of mine 
ran into I know it was a thing before that all broke loose so it uh, it was pretty wild <laughs> well tell us about it what so what happened with you and your friend and then we can go into the oh, chicken okay. chicken sure. store. well it was uh, a buddy and I, and I went to hunting and it was uh, it was a uh, close to the end of 1970 I guess it was a full moon there was snow on the ground wasn't it snow just enough to to cover everything and with the full moon it just was pretty bright out there but we had uh, gone north out of El Reno towards the river and we went up to a place called Foreman Bridge and then you could veer off to the right towards the east and park parallel to the banks of the river and I went out there and didn't have much luck so it was about two or so in the morning we were sitting back at the vehicle and a cup of coffee trying to warm up I look up the road and I see this, this skunk just kind of diddy bopping down the road this truck and I well if I would you skin him and <laughs> at least he won't go home empty handed he said sure so I got out and uh I drew a bead on that rascal, and uh, yeah, I'm standing there, and it, it felt like uh, the, I just rubbed the hairs on the back of my neck. I mean, they, that rascals were standing up, and I knew something wasn't right. I had that that feeling I was being watched. I looked over to my right, towards the, uh, the edge of that river, and there's a, a tree laying on its side, a big tree trunk, and I see this uh, black black spot or black shape on the other side of the tree trunk and I'm thinking, well, why the hell is casting that shadow? So I'm looking up the full moon and I'm looking back at the tree trunk and then I see this bright red light come on. Like, uh, first thing I thought of was a red reflector. You know, sometimes people nail reflectors on the trees, trees, you know, on each side of their entrance to a driveway. So I'm looking at that. Well, that gum another one pops open. And so now I got these two of these things looking at me and they're just the purest bright red. And that's probably about the size of pop bottles, the, the ends of pop bottles. And I'm, I'm looking at it and I hollered at my friend. I said, Hey, get out here and take a look at this. And when he gets out, that's when this thing, you can see it coming up in the air and this sucker is tall. It's wide and it's thick and you can see it blinking its eyes and, and moving its head. And I don't know if it was reflecting from the moon, from the dome light in that vehicle, but it, it, oh, it probably was just a few seconds. And that thing rolled off the side of that, that bank of that river, and you could hear it crashing down through all the brush and, and junk and all that was there. And it hit the ice because the, the river was frozen. Now, it's not like a solid body of water. There's sandbars from kind of one side to the other. And that rascal took off running towards the west. And you can hear it crunching through the ice and getting on the sandbars and just, I mean, boom, boom, boom. It was gone. And so we're like, well, what in the hell was that thing? We, well, we can't tell anybody about it because I think we're out here smoking over something. So we kept it ourselves. Well, it's no time after that. That's when the El Real Chicken Man story broke. Well, that happened. That incident there was several miles west of where we were at. So on the south side of Highway 81, we're across that North Canadian River to the south of the river and is on the west side of the road. There's a, a huge slough or a ditch that runs parallel to the river and runs in right into it. And whatever the thing was, come up out of that river, and I think it stayed concealed in that, that channel or that slough, and then it went up to the Palmer House. 
There's a it's a rent house with chicken coops and things there. And it it literally tore that house all to pieces, the chicken house, ripped the door off, killed all the poultry in it, left footprints, uh, bloody handprints, just just I don't know if it's eating them or what, but but then it went back down that down that channel back to the river. There's no doubt in my mind, probably the same thing that my buddy and I saw. Well, just just you cross that cross that bridge and you go a little further north and you come up to the Concho Indian Reservation. It's, uh, uh, they've got a, a casino there. And years later, after our incident, just a few years back in the past, they uh, their security cameras caught one of those coming up, getting in their their trash bins and their grease traps and. Uh, they got that documented, but uh, it's it's something that they're not going to, the tribal police are not going to turn loose to the public, but it darn sure did get recorded because I know a, a, of a dispatcher that got to see the tape. So that, that one particular area there has, has had sightings going on for years. Yeah, and I want to come back to the uh, the Indian, the, the reservation, the casino there, but on the Chicken Man incident with uh, Palmer, the farmer, you know, there was so much evidence, and it's kind of a shame that this took place. I think it was the late 60s, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, 60 or 70. Yeah, it's kind of a shame that it took place in that time era because there was so much evidence collected. There was the footprints, there was the blood, yep. there was the hair. Um, even mm -hmm. on the door that it had broken, uh, it had left mm -hmm. a bloody handprint, and they had taken, he had actually taken the door off. And I, he took it to a local zoo, didn't he, and had a primatologist look yeah. at it? Yeah, Lawrence Curtis was uh, the director of the zoo at that time. And, uh, and that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely a primate humanoid type hand. Uh, I talked to one of the officers. Uh, he's, he's deceased now, but at that time I talked to one of the officers that uh, was out there at the scene. And, and he was he was definitely shook. So this, this is the craziest thing he'd ever seen. Uh, it, it definitely wasn't just a bunch of vandals coming up to somebody's chicken coop and tearing things up. And what's interesting is it didn't really eat any of the chickens. It just killed them, just broke their necks, right, didn't it? Right. Yep, just just messed them up, stomped on from what, what the, he was telling me. That stomped on and just killed. It was like just getting in there for the heck of it. And it's interesting, too. I think just a couple miles from there, and you probably know this better than I do, Bill, but a couple miles from there, there was another gentleman who kept, who was saying there's a loose orangutan out in the woods and he was trying to trap it. And he kept describing this large, upright orangutan mm -hmm. running around. I don't know too many orangutans that could survive out there in Oklahoma. <laughs> I don't either, no, sir. But uh, there's, for years, people have been seeing, uh, I think it's a family group of them. That's three, at least three of them. And I, I just believe it's a family group. And I don't know if, if that's what he was seeing, but uh, if it's in that general area, it most likely was. But uh, then again, people just, they keep to themselves, and they're not going to tell folks about it, outsiders about it, because they, they just don't want to get ridiculed. And that's the, that's the thing about this, that's the whole shame, is that when you do come out, uh, you do get ridiculed for, uh, you know, there's always people trying to tear apart people's stories and it's kind of a shame you know it's it's kind of a people should be free to come out and say hey i saw this out in the woods or hey i i experienced this 
it kind of goes back. I was talking about the, um, and I'll get to the casino incident here in a minute, but I was talking about lights the other couple shows back, and I was talking about these lights people are seeing. I just got a flood of people who contacted me and said, hey, yeah, I saw these lights. You know, and so, I mean, it's kind of a shame that people can't, it takes one person to come forward and say, hey, it's okay to talk about this. And then all of a sudden, everyone will come and say, hey, I saw this. I, You know, I had a lady who just sent me a message on Facebook and said that uh, they were out hiking and they had seen these lights and they didn't know what they were. And she said, no, it wasn't a UFO. She said it was just these weird lights flying around in the forest. And her and her mother got terrified and they ran and they left. Well, they had made a pact not to tell anyone because she was so afraid of, of being ridiculed over just seeing lights in the forest. I know exactly how they feel, because that's what uh, my buddy and I basically did when we ran into that deal out on the bridge. The incident at the casino is an interesting incident, and you and I talked about that too yesterday, and I think you hit it right on the head, which I didn't really think about, because in my mind I was thinking, this is great advertisement. This would be great to have people come to the casino. And for the people listening, basically what happened is, on this Indian reservation out there in Oklahoma, they had captured a Sasquatch walking across a parking lot, digging into a dumpster, and then basically exiting. But where they had actually captured it, uh, to my, uh, from people who have seen the film, have come forward and said it's really, really clear footage, and it's it's um, the thing is the thing is huge. And I always wondered why they wouldn't release it. I always wondered why they wouldn't come forward and say, hey, look, here's what we have. Because I've, I've heard through third party, you know, second and third parties that have seen it, that it's probably some of the best footage out there. You know, they know these things are out there. They know they exist, and it's it's just part of life. And they're, they're just going to just accept it for what it is. They don't want a bunch of people out there running around with rifles looking at this thing to try and shoot it. It's just, uh, I, mean, I can see their point. But uh, that's that's what that's all. They definitely was not going to turn it loose to the public to keep wow from coming up there with problems and, and trying to hunt these things. You uh, you know they're there. You just leave them alone and you you kind of coexist, kind of I guess you could say. Yeah, and I didn't think about you know imagine if you had someone come out, blast it, and then oh yeah, leave. Now the casino might have a bigger issue on their hand than. They might look back and go, well, we regret letting that yep, video it, out. It's not uncommon for ever a couple of years to, to read in the paper about how some guys have been arrested for trespassing out there. They, the sheriffs get called, they go out there, and, and there's a bunch of guys with rifles and spotlights, and they're basically for the Bigfoot. And it's like, good gosh, people's got cattle out there, they've got homes out there, and they don't need a bunch of folks running around taking pot shots and things moving in the dark. <laughs> it's just not safe. Yeah. Now talk a little bit, Bill. You had a property and you had these things out around your property. I know you started talking about it there in the beginning, but can you yeah. talk about some of the things you experienced around your property? Sure. Oh, yes. Um, we've got, uh, it's the acreage there in uh, eastern Oklahoma. We're sitting out there one night cooking up hot dogs and stuff. And uh, every now and then I'd get up with my flashlight and scan the pond, just looking for eye shine, like raccoons or possums or anything. Well, I'm scanning uh, out for our target we got set up, and I see this uh, 
stand colored, kind of like deer colored uh, animal coming up out of the woods, out of that, that canyon, right by our 100 yard target. And he's got these, these bright, kind of goldish green eyes. And I'm thinking, this has got to be a buck as big as this thing is. So we're all looking at this thing. Now, my light isn't powerful enough to give you good detail. You can just kind of see the shape and coloring and then the bright eyes. And we're all looking at it, and I thought, my gosh, this thing is huge. And then it starts raising up. And then I'm thinking, well, what in the hell is that deer eating on? Because they'll stand up on her back legs and browse off the little branches and stuff. And uh, he, he didn't go back down to the ground. He just stood there. And it's like, good gosh, this thing is huge. Well, we're looking at it, and then it starts swinging or, or and sideways, left or it starts swaying on you, swaying on you back and forth. Yeah, swaying, left, just kind of, just kind of rocking side to side. And right at that that time, you know, I kind of had that feeling like, oh, something's about to happen. Well, I had a rifle with me, so I cracked off a shot straight up in the. Well, that thing took off running back down the canyon. Everybody <laughs> on the picnic. Picnic, yeah, they, they took off running back towards the, the cabin and, uh, that, you know, that barbecue come to an end. But that's <laughs> the first time we actually saw anything. But then over the years, we started figuring out a pattern. Things got most active twice a year in, in the June, ju- around July when all the wild blackberries were on the bushes. I mean, they're, they're all over that place down there. And then the other time of the year would be, uh, oh, deer, deer season when the persimmon trees were just covered with persimmon. And we got persimmon trees all around that cabin and we put the blackberries off in the fields behind the cabin. But, uh, we'd get out there, uh, in all oh, about June or so and I'd start, uh, blowing the either wounded, uh, like rabbit calls or predator calls or I could do, yeah and start getting responses. We had a, uh, we're sitting out there with kids, and we had this, this deal happen to us. It was really strange. We uh, heard a hoot owl way off in the woods. So I hollered back at it, and right off the bat, it hollered back, and it, it, it sounded really loud, and it sounded kind of different. It wasn't quite right. So I hooted again, and then a second one responded down in that canyon. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. What's going on here? Well, I heard it again, and then the first one we heard straight to our west went off, and then the one down in the canyon went off, and they were getting closer, and they were getting louder. And I knew then that wasn't hoot out because the way they were they were mimicking them, but they weren't they they were not out. Well, I hollered one more time, and I mean you could hear stuff tearing through the woods, and now. I'm sitting there thinking, my gosh, we're about to see some things come busting out of the tree line. Well, there, you hear this stuff crashing through the woods, and boom, like someone hit the air brakes right up the bridge and just stopped, dead silent. And then it was like, boom, boom, boom. Those trees started shaking, and it sounded like an old Tarzan move. And the chief got mad, and he started hopping around that, that scream, that mad monkey call and yell. That's what was happening. Well, I thought, I got to get the kids out of here. We hauled ourselves back up to the cabin. Went back out there just a little while, my, uh, me and my older son, and it, it was just dead silence out there. I mean, there wasn't any frogs chirping around the pond, no nothing. And it, 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 it happened several times over the years. Well, 
the last time we tried that was out there with my kids and we had a, a, our hound with us and uh, I was blown on a wounded rabbit call. 11.30 or so, and I decided we got to get back up to the cabin and get something to drink because my throat was dry and and so I left my rifle there with my other kids and the hound was there and then my son and I started walking towards the cabin. I'm walking up towards the cabin and I've got that lantern going by the front so it's kind of blinding us just as we come to the front door, I, my wife's inside the cabin at, at the kitchen, at the sink, and there's a window there. Well, she screams my name real loud, and then the kids start screaming out there at the picnic table. And so I go running back out there, and they're all up under that table. And it's like, what's going on? What's happened? I go, didn't you see that? Didn't you see that? I go, what? He says, there was something, a man or something, walking around this, this pond walking towards the back side of the cabin as my son and I was walking towards the front door. We were kind of on a, a, a path we would intersect, but this thing went behind the cabin, and as it went past the cabin, it kind of turned a little bit and looked at my wife through the window there, and she thought that was me jumping out the skewer. So she hollered her my name, and that's about the time the kids just started cutting loose. So, well, we gathered them all up and uh, went running back inside, and uh, same thing. We went back out with our rifles, and uh, it, it was just dead silence out there. You know, it's interesting the how they maneuver around you. I mean, even in my own encounter, just how they tactically maneuver around you, and then yeah. even being yep. out there in Texas uh, with Bob and I, you know, hearing this thing maneuver around, it was obviously moving to the rear of us, uh, which made me uncomfortable to say the least, but it was definitely maneuvering to the rear of us, trying to get behind us. And then, just trying to ambush you. Yeah, that's what it felt like, like it was trying to ambush us. It wasn't really a direct coming right at you. It was it was almost more like an ambush is what it felt like. Uh, and then in your own situation, you know, you guys are walking to the front of a cabin and, you know, it kind of comes around towards the rear uh, where you yep. guys are at. Interesting. There's a couple big pine trees and a few persimmon trees, and they kept those between us and him. So, you know, that may be one of the reasons we didn't see it, but uh, but it, it definitely knew what it was doing. You know, if it wanted to, it could have run up there and grabbed us probably, been on us before we knew it, but evidently it wasn't interested in that. But uh, it sure come walking around that cabin. Sure did. Yeah, I kind of have a theory about that. And I, again, I could be way off on my theory. Um, like I've always said before on the show, I don't have one in my garage. I'm in a cage. I'm studying, but I have kind of, my theory on it is I think if you're alone, you're in trouble. Or if you're yep. a, a child or a woman and you're out there by yourself, you're in trouble. If you're within a group of people, it seems like a lot less bad things happen. And, and I don't know if it's something on their end. When they, it's almost too much of uh it's too risky of a fight because you don't know, you know, on their end, they, it's too many, it's, it's too many to, uh, things can go bad on their part, which gives them a huge intelligence. Uh, cause I don't know that a grizzly bear, I think a grizzly bear, if they're going to attack you, they're just going to attack you. These things seem to be more tactical in their attacks or like you were describing with the child in the beginning with your friend who was picked up by one. You know, it was easy meal until the mother comes out and starts flipping out, and then it drops it and decides, you know, it's kind of a self-preservation on its own part, decides it's not worth taking this and it's time to go. Mm-hmm. Well, 
she's carrying a broom. He said she was swinging that broom, and I, I've often wondered, maybe that thing thought that might have been a rifle or some kind of weapon. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's the first thing I thought is I bet it thought it was a weapon. I bet it thought it was a uh, rifle. Yep. I, I firmly believe these things know they understand what those rifles and pistols are all about. And I think you're right about that, uh, being alone in the woods deal. They're going to, they're, they're going to come up there like a predator and they're going to snatch the stragglers or the ones that are way in front, the scouts. They're going to get the people that are off on their own. And uh, it's just probably too much of a fight or too much of a chance of getting hurt was to just go busting in there and try and smash some people out of a group. Yeah. So I know down here, you can see a group of guys in the woods. You can pretty well count they're going to be armed because there's woolly boogers out there. Yeah, and that's the other interesting point I wanted to bring up is down in the south, you know, sometimes it's hard to find historical accounts about things that happened in the south unless you know what the the locals named the creature at the time like the corn man or the you know um the chicken man or woolly booger you know if you're looking if you're looking for bigfoot or sasquatch by name down in the south and in the midwest you it's kind of hard to come by some information but if you know what the locals call it you'll find historical accounts going back hundreds of years of people seeing these things, they just had their own names for them. Yeah, that's right. Like there in McCurtain County, there's a, uh, a newspaper been around since the 18, early 1800s, and there they had several stories in there, like 1840s or so, of the McCurtain County man beast or manimal. They'll use the word manimal. So if yeah, if you're doing searches, like on the internet and all that, if you type in those words, you'll probably come up with those. But but then again, you need to know what phrases or terminology to actually go put in to look for. Now you've never actually been you've never been in a situation where you were called out as a police officer to a scene to where someone is saying either a prowler is coming around. Uh, but there was one situation that you were involved in, and was it missing people? Right. This was in the, in the late 70s. I was with a, a group that formed up here in Oklahoma uh, about uh, interested in Bigfoot and things like that. And uh, there was a group in Missouri, um, same deal. It went out looking for Bigfoot and all. Well, they were contacted by local authorities, and then they in turn contacted our group. And so we went on up there to see what we could figure out. But basically what it was was a family had gone missing. Uh, they had a trailer home out on the acreage, and uh, this thing had the door just literally peeled back. They were gone. The people was gone. There was huge footprints all over the place. There was bloodstains everywhere, and there's, there's like something happened, something bad happened. And uh, the, the authorities were just trying to partake on what, what we thought it might be because these were huge handprints and huge footprints. And I basically told them, well, I think it's a Bigfoot. Something's happened where one got in there and got these folks. Well, that, that just doesn't hurt. They just could hardly believe that. And, 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 you know, we ended up coming back to, back to Oklahoma, but I never did hear how that ended up. But, uh, definitely something had peeled that door back. I mean, just peeled it like it was opening the top of a can, of, a sardine can. Drug them out of there is what I'm thinking. Yeah, what's interesting is you don't, really ever get to hear the final explanation on what had happened. There was an incident out here in Oregon. 
I want to say back in the 70s or 80s, and there was a gentleman who owned a bunch of land, and he was a logger. He was out logging the land, and uh, I guess he did pretty well. And But he had just recently moved to the area, and he was out there logging. The The gentleman ended up not showing up. No one had heard from the family in a while. So they sent cops out to check on the family. And nothing really ever came of it. No one ever really said they just ended up being missing. And there was a researcher who had been trying to get a hold of, but a researcher that was out actually looking into that incident. Uh, this was like about six months after the people disappeared. And he had found the property of where they were at. And what he describes their property as, he said it looked like uh, King Kong went through and basically uh, there was blood. A lot of the items that were in the house were outside of the house. The door was ripped yeah. off. There was the inside. There was holes in the ceiling. Um, and it just looked like hell had broke loose in there. And he said there was footprints, still footprints around that piece of um, uh, that trailer that the, the family was in or the mobile home that they were in. Nothing ever really ever came of it. They didn't really, you never really hear the final story on, they just end up being missing and uh, the rest of that was just kind of swept under the rug as far as what happened to them. Uh, so it makes you wonder well, too what would set something like this off. Well, there's something. Uh, I, I was able to read a report from the uh, County South map that uh, was a little, uh, similar to that. Um, these folks uh, called and uh, had the sheriff come out and uh, said there was uh, what they thought was prowlers or, or there's something out in the woods. And it's bothering them, bothering their livestock. Well, they get a call. Authorities get a call sometime later, and they come flying out there. And this house has been torn all to hell. I mean, the back door's been ripped open, uh, ripped off the hinges. The house, it looked like a tornado went through there. Basically, what happened was the husband was out there, and he went after this woolly booger, and he took some pot shots at it with his shotgun. And that damn thing followed him home, and it it tried to put the hurt on them. It tore that place up. They was able to get to the truck and get out of there in time. When the, the sheriff's office showed up, it was it was crazy. He said the dad got a shotgun. Actually, was laying on the floor, and the barrel had a huge huge bend in it. Um, it was like it was maybe focused on that shotgun because uh, it might hurt it. Yeah, I don't know, but it, it just destroyed that house. And if they hadn't got out of there, I'm, I'm firmly convinced it would have got them because it was mad because he took some shots at this thing. So you got to be careful what you're doing out there. It's just, uh, you know, I'm in scouting and, and I do a lot of hunting and I tell everybody I have contact with out in the woods that there's things you can do and you can't do. As far as these things go, because you make them mad, you're going to have you're going to have to get out of there because they they will get mad and come out for revenge. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and that's the point about a lot of these stories. What's interesting is when you read through a lot of these encounter stories, you start to see a lot of repeated type behavior, like in the cowman incident, uh, and it made me think of Bobby Hamilton and the, what you had just said on this last one is. You know, and are you familiar with the Kalman incident, Bill? Uh, no, sir. No, I'm not. I'll have to send it to you. The What ended up happening is it was up at the window. The wife started screaming, um, and they started trying to shoot this thing. 
because uh, it was coming up to the house and it was starting to get aggressive. And it seemed to be focused on this little kid that the family had. It seemed to be at night it would come up to his window and it would, you know, they would make faces and it seemed to be really focused on the little kid. And they ended up shooting it. And so they, but they left the house that night. They were so terrified. They ended up shooting this creature. Terrified, they all ran to the car, got in the car, left the house, and didn't come back. I don't think he came back for a day or two. But when he came back, the whole house had been torn apart. Everything in the house was completely demolished. Uh, they turned it in, I think they ended up turning it into the insurance company, but the whole house had been completely demolished. And what's interesting is, the kid's room, the one kid that it was focused on was left alone, but everywhere else in the house was completely torn apart. You just hear that over and over and over again. Uh, it's kind of like what uh, Mike from the, Mike Humphreys used to tell me from the Siege of Hanabi, if you shoot oh, one. Oh yeah, down at Hanabi. Yep. Yeah, he used to tell me if you shoot one, chamber another round, uh, because you're going to need it. And That's it, right. Yeah, if you, if you hurt one, Kill one. You got those family members to deal with, or that that group that's with that you don't see. Those are the ones going to be sneaking up on you. Because you're going to have one out there drawing your attention, but you might have two or three coming up on your backside. So yeah, definitely you 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 have to be careful what you do out there. Yeah, and it's interesting too. You know, there's so much physical evidence. This is such a fascinating topic because there's so much physical evidence that. I'm sure as you know this as a police officer, there's so many witnesses that are basically describing the same thing. Now, there's some differences in what they describe, but the differences are based on what location they're at in the United States. But for the most part, everyone's describing the same type of creature. And then there is so much uh, evidence. You know, there's the footprints, there's the hair, there's the blood. There's. It's just amazing to me that the government doesn't come out um, or science doesn't come out and say, you know what, this, this thing is out there running around and there's just too much evidence to say it's not. Uh, you know, I, I firmly believe that there are people, uh, authorities uh, within the government that know what's going on. I don't know why they're not releasing it or acknowledging it publicly. It could be economic reasons, you know, through, uh, like, endangered species type stuff. Hey, I don't know. we got a deal going on now where a bridge construction has been halted for a specific type of little catfish to get through their spawning and all that where this construction site is before they can continue on. So it's going to be shut down probably until June because of that. So I could see where, if, like, if they could come up, yep, these things do exist, now we got to find out how many there are. we got to protect them. Well, what's going to happen to all that property that they're on? Like, if you own this land, or can you can you continue farming it or harvesting timber? You know, it could, it could have some economic impact. I think it would bring the economy to its knees. And people laugh at that, but I really think it'd bring the economy to its knees. You know, they'll say, well, what is it just going to stop lumber? Well, think about all the things that lumber touches. Lumber t is more than just the lum lumber industry. It's this tree of of other industries that it touches. And then you're right. The people who have, the people who are going to be the most upset when a hunter or someone shoots one of these things and brings it in are the people that own the land around where these things are at because that land's going to be taken from them. Yep. Yep. That's right. 
And think about the national parks. Would you take your family camping at a national park if it was for sure things out there that could snatch your kids up or, or you? Uh, it's I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, it would cripple the outdoor activities too yep. as well. Yep. Do you still have things going on in your property, or do you still own that oh, piece yes, of property? Sir. Yeah, it's it's um it's um it's mainly like the twice a year in the June, July, and then in the fall when they're up there getting the persimmons. Um, I had uh, not long ago was down there, and uh, I uh, well, you know when we're down there, we don't have the outside high stone just to have little critters come up. We can watch them in the yard and all. But but I forgot. To, I didn't know if I'd roll my truck windows up. So I stepped out the front door and lit my truck up with uh, with my work light. And, uh, I mean, no sooner that light came on, and this, it sounded like a, a bear and a bull roaring at the same time. And it came from in front of me at the pond. And it was, I was just, just I couldn't move. All I could do is kind of pivot. But I, I felt... I felt my organs vibrating, my chest vibrating. You could just feel that hitting you. And uh, I pivoted at my hips and shined the light, you know, just holding it out like at the truck. And I pivot, and you can see this rascal standing there by the pond. He's kind of leaning forward, and he had an arm stretched out a little bit. And I, it, it, to me, it seemed like either he's getting him a drink of water or he's showing a frog or something in his mouth. I don't know, but... Boom, off that thing went, running right towards the our hundred yard target and right down that canyon. You can hear him busting all through there. But uh yeah, that we still still have things happen every now and then. And we definitely <laughs> uh keep our eyes and ears open. Um now December we went down there uh for a family trip and uh we took our metal detectors with us because there's old homesteads around there, so we was off in the woods where some of these places were was doing some metal detecting. So we got through, and we go back, walking back towards the trucks, and we see a dead gum footprint in this this pile of dirt, and it's a it's a canine type print. But this sucker is like six inches by six inches. It's huge. The toes are all splayed out, and you can see the claws on it. So we thought, well, good gosh. Well, we ran to town, got some plaster pairs, came back, and we made some casts of this thing. And when we we pulled that out of the dirt the next day and, and brushed it off. It, it just it, it just shocked us that there's something that damn big out there. And it, it, we've got coyotes, we got bears, we got mountain lions there. This wasn't any of that. It, this thing was huge. So I I sent some pictures off to uh, to a fellow that's into the dog man that, that has some expertise on the subject, and he just see what he thought about it. And sure enough, he goes, buddy, you, yeah, I would definitely say you, you got them on your place now. But that's the first time in, in all these years we've ever, ever seen anything like that. So we get to looking around and we go off down in the bottoms and we start finding these prints all over down there. So I don't know if something has moved in or what, but this, this darn sure isn't, isn't a wolf. It's too big for that. So we, we definitely uh, are careful when we're out running around out there in a the place. Yeah, and I don't know what to think of that dogman thing anymore. You know, it's there is a type of, of Sasquatch that does kind of have, and I know I'm going to use the wrong term, I'm sure I'm going to get corrected on it, but a snout uh, or a muzzle. And mm-hmm. uh, people, because people have described it, you know, and, and so there is a type that has that. 
And whether it's a deformity or, or what it is, I don't know. But there is a type that where people describe it having a snout. But what's interesting in, in their descriptions is they are describing a Sasquatch, but they're describing it having a snout. Now, this other yeah. thing out there running around, I don't know what to think of it because I've, I think I've mentioned it on the show in the past, I've talked to a, several credible witnesses that came out and basically said, you're wrong on this being a primate. They would go with their descriptions. And some of these other descriptions that you listen to people tell, it sounds very canine. It sounds like it has a huge jaw, um, like a wolf. It has ears like a wolf, you know, but I would say more of the body of this, of a skinny Sasquatch is basically what they describe, but with long claws on the hands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the tracks I found down in Texas, I can tell you I, almost 100% sure were not Sasquatch tracks. They were something yeah, else. Yeah, more, more dog-like. Very much more like dog, dog-like yeah. tracks. Yeah. Well, since, uh, since we found that, friend, I was decking and, uh, in eastern Oklahoma, around the Kaimishi Mountains, they have they have been seeing things they call the hissing critter, and it's basically, I would guess, a dog man. And people have seen these things all around deer hunting, they, and it seemed like they, there's packs or groups of people have reported these things chasing deer down, um, chasing them out, chasing the hunters out of the woods. So yeah, I, I don't know if these things have migrated over to our neck of the woods now or what, but that's that's a whole new ball game there. That's that's something I don't quite know what to think about. I know I don't want don't want want one getting near me because I don't think he's going to have the same attitude or outlook as a Sasquatch would. Yeah, they tend to be a, a lot more aggressive. You know, it's, I've talked to yeah. a few guys down there in Texas that describe these dogman type creatures. And I gotta hate the name Dogman, but I guess I'll just keep using it. Yeah. But they describe these Dogman-like creatures, and they're and it's kind of, and for people listening, it's it's hard to understand. When you're down there and you're a local down there, they'll talk about Sasquatch the same way they'll talk about wild hogs, the same way they'll talk about uh, alligators, the same way they'll talk about snakes. It's just a fact of life. You'll run into these things, but the moment you bring up this Dogman, the guys that have ran into it. They're first to tell you that uh, with the Sasquatch, they're kind of iffy on shooting one. They're, you know, unless one's coming at them. Most people think of hunters as bloodthirsty monster of, of people, but they're really not. They're actually most hunters, I will say. In my case, every hunter I've ever met is probably one of the most ethical people you'll meet because they won't just take a shot to take a shot. It has to be the right shot. And they're not just going to injure an animal. They're going to, if they shoot it, they're going to shoot it and they're going to shoot it and kill it and eat it. And with the Sasquatch, so it kind of goes against a lot of what hunters believe when they run into one of these things of just shooting it just for the hell of it. Now, they will tell you that if, if it's coming towards them, they'll blast it. They have no problem blasting it. But the few hunters I talked to while I was down in Texas, uh, every one of them said, if I saw one of those dogmen uh, creatures again, I would shoot it, and I'd shoot to kill it and not even hesitate on it. You know, we do coyote hunting out here, and it's, it's pretty much the same deal, I guess, as far as outlook on it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take a pot shot at one of them a Sasquatch, because they're, you know, they, that's, they're out in the woods. That's their place. That's fine. But if the rascal's trying to hurt me or mine, then I'm going to light him up. But when I, if I was to come across one of these dogman deals, from what I've been reading on, I don't think I'd hesitate twice about dropping that sucker. 
uh, I've heard, heard reports on coming out of southeastern Oklahoma downtown issues where these things have uh, have chased the hunters and killed deer and bothered livestock. I've never read a report or heard of a, a report where these things did not act aggressive. Yeah. You never hear of anyone gifting with uh, a dog man or uh, <laughs> feeding it apples or... Uh, you might try it once and, that's, and you're the gift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, you know, for years I've been trying to tell folks, listen, enjoy the outdoors, but you gotta you got to be smart about it because it's up to you to protect the people you're with, whether it's a group of scouts, whether it's your... Your, your children, your spouse, you go out in the woods, you got to be careful because these rascals are out there. Most of the times they might just come along and curious and see what you got. You know, once everybody gets in the tents and all, they might poke around your camp. But then again, if, if you start, uh, like, taking pot shots of these things, you're going to have to get out of there because you will make them mad. And good God, if you shoot one of these things, you definitely better get in that vehicle and get out of the area because... That that family group is going to come after you. There's no doubt about it. You just you just got to be safe. Go off in the woods, or you, you enjoy them. Uh, go armed, ready to protect yourself. If there's a place where I and I am not allowed to go in there armed, then I'm not going to go camping there. Yeah. Because you're not going to be able to protect yourself. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. It's like when I was telling you when we were in Texas and uh, the night that we. We're leaving one location because we only had a permit to be in there for so long, but we were leaving one location and all night long we were hearing uh, vocals from every direction, it seemed like. And we were leaving and the next day a Boy Scout troop was going to come in there and camp. And I remember, I remember thinking, man, should I, should I say something to these kids? Should I, or should I pull the uh, Scoutmaster aside and say, these folks need to realize if you do go armed, you better take the right stuff. Because these, these things are massive. You, you've got to think in terms of what do I have that can basically shoot through something about the, the width and thickness of a, a side-by-side refrigerator. These things are wide and they're thick. Uh, you look 22s and, and, and things like that are not going to do anything that really make them mad. So it's, you know, you got to carry something heavy enough to punch through that to keep yourself and, and your family members and friends safe. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Do you, uh, when the creatures pass through your property, do you, have you ever tried to get a picture of one or have you ever tried? I would imagine um, you kind of grew up with this. So it's, it's, it is, uh, it's interesting you said that. I got me a game cam here not too long ago and I set that out. And the, uh, that December when we was out there and found that first canine footprint, I had a, a trail cam set out and, uh, I've got, uh, Several pictures of deer right in front of it, and then there's one photo that I'll have to send you a copy of and see what you think about it, because uh, what I'm thinking of, something come up behind that trail cam. I mean, these things know about those cameras. They know about it. They can see the IR. There's no doubt about it. Infrared, they can see that. But but I'm thinking this rascal come up there, and it looks like he's standing right beside that, that lens when it went off, because you can see three deer in the background just in a sheer panic going different directions, and you see this this one shape on the left side of the frame. But I'll send that to you to see what you think about it. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. And it's one of those things to where I, I realize a photo is not going to 
prove that these things are real. The photo's not going to. Yeah, they're not going to do a thing. I mean, photos, videos, uh, sound recordings. But uh, once you see one, it is it is it is definitely a life changing experience. I, I don't care whether people believe it or not. I'm down there 63 years old, and these these outfits are out there. You just need to know how to act around them when you're out in the woods. Yeah, it's good advice. It's definitely good advice. Well, Bill, I want to thank you for, for coming on the show, and I want to thank you. I know even with your profession, sometimes it's hard to uh, uh, to come forward and, and talk, and I just can't thank you enough for for coming forward. I think that it's... It's something that'll eventually come out. I think what it's going to take is a body. It's kind of like the casino footage yep. you and I were just talking about. You know, they would have released that and 50% of the audience would have said it was a fake. Uh, the other 30% of trolls would have attacked it. And then there would have been a small percentage that would have said, Hey, this is, this looks real to me. Uh, and you're always going to have that. But I think once you have a body that comes out there, someone who's brave enough to bring one out. I think that it's going to, I think it's going to change the world, to be honest with you. I think it's going to shock the world and it's going to be justification for all the people who said, Hey, I saw this and were either laughed at or called liars or, you know, were torn apart because of what they said they saw. I think it's going to be just, you know, it's going to be justice for all of those people, uh, <laughs> to come back and go, see, I told you yep. so. Yep. You are definitely right there. And you are definitely right. But I, I, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell you my, my story about things that I've encountered and the family's encountered. And uh, like I said, I've been listening to your show now for, for a while. And uh, I, we, we just look forward to each new broadcast because you're, you're the real deal. You're putting out the right information. And uh, it, it's, it's educating people. That's what it's all about is educating them. And uh, you're giving us good information. And it's, uh, it'll keep people safe. If they just listen, pay attention to what, what you're saying and what your, your people on your show is telling, it'll keep them safe. And, uh, and, you know, eventually this will get, get resolved as far as confirm whether they do exist or not. But it'll take a body being drugged in. But good Lord, that's going to take a group of people to get that thing out of there because you're going to be, you'll probably be dealing with uh, <laughs> the family members. I, I don't doubt that a bit. Yeah, it's going to be the fight of a life to get one out. Mm-hmm. Bill, I appreciate it. Okay, we are sure welcome. I, I appreciate it, and I will. Uh, I'll get down to work, and then I'll, I'll start going through. And if you want those those photos, I'll sure email them to you, and uh, just see what you think about them. And whatever you want to do with them, use them, send them, share them. You just feel free to go. If it helps helps with the cause, then that's that's a good deal. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much, man. Some tone to blow 
Listen